Welcome to the Vineyard Boise Sunday Message Podcast. You can join us live on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on Facebook, YouTube, and vineyardboise.org slash live. Subscribe to our message podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And if you'd like to support Vineyard Boise, you can give online at vineyardboise.org slash give. Today's message is brought to you by Pastor Kenny Wood. Enjoy. For our part in here, we have kind of a guest speaker. Uh, we have a, something that's a special treat that's normally reserved for younger followers of Jesus here on campus. And that is Pastor Kenny is going to come and bring our next message in the Book of Mark. And uh, you'll have to pay attention because he's got kind of a, a thick accent. It's, I can't remember if it's like Australian or Irish. Is that right? It's English. Oh, it's English. That's right. I, I forget. We actually make it a habit to always have an English pastor on staff. Um, it's, it, it's gone very well for us. Kenny's our third, and he's fantastic. So would you welcome Pastor Kenny? So I nearly started speaking in German then, just to kind of get you all going. I know one phrase in German. I better not say it. <laughs> Work down too good, especially if you know German. Um, so anyway, as Trevor says, I oversee the children's ministry with my wife. And I have two children who are, are teenagers. And this morning I was driving in. I says, hey, guys, how should I go about teaching today? Should I just do what I normally do or should I calm down? And as well, Dad, you should do what you normally do, but calm down at the same time. I thought, well, you're useless. So... I am used to teaching kids, little kids. I usually teach kindergarten to fifth, sixth grade, but every so often I'll teach youth. So I've learned that the best way to teach is to be as loud as you can possibly be. (laughs) Why do I say that? Well, because kids are going to ask you questions. In the middle of answer questions, they're going to jeer you. They're going to keep talking, so I would appreciate it if you every so often you put your hand up, try ask me a question, and I'll just say, we'll wait for all the questions to the end. But it just makes me feel better, and if you want to just jam me a little bit, that might even help me a little bit. Um, But I just decided that I'm just going to go for it like I would go for it with the kids. So you're going to get a full-on kids' ministry study, and this is how we do it. So let me start by praying. So Father God, we love you, we thank you, and we pray now, Lord. Hmm. We pray for your Holy Spirit to meet us right here, Lord, to meet us here, and that you would just challenge us, that you would just give us everything today that you want to give us. In your precious name, Lord, amen. Now, let me start today. Have you ever wanted to be great in God's kingdom? And honestly, it's okay if you have. It's fine. It's an honorable thing to to desire. But the real question is, is do we know what it is like or it's meant to be or what it is to be great in God's kingdom? Now, the reason I say that is the disciples, they spent three years with Jesus, right? Day in, day out. And they watched him and they observed him. And I just didn't think that they picked up exactly what Jesus was showing them about following him in kingdom greatness. So let's read today's text. I have to put my glasses on for this. There's two, when you're getting old, there's two reasons you know. One, you can't see words uh, in your Bible. And the other is you, you, you get out of breath when you tie your shoelaces. <laughs> okay, so this year I bought a Bible. And it's got a large print Bible. And I was so excited. I went home and I thought, yeah, I've got a new Bible. And I can read it. And I opened up and I still couldn't read it. So I had to get my put my glasses on. So leaving the region, and we're reading from, and I also bought a new translation. I'm really excited about this translation. It's the New Living Translation, which is an amazing Bible. I never even knew it existed. 
I thought King James, you know, being English and everything, I thought that was the way to go. And so I started reading this. So if you have a Bible, then let's turn to Matthew, sorry, Mark chapter 9, and it's verse 13. And we're going to read to verse 37. Leaving that region, they traveled through Galilee. Jesus didn't want anyone to know he was there, for he wanted to spend more time with his disciples and teach them. He said to them, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. He will be killed, but three days later, he will rise from the dead. They didn't understand what he was saying, however, and they were afraid to ask him what it meant. After they arrived at Capernaum and settled in a house, Jesus asked his disciples, what were you discussing on the road? But he didn't answer because they had been arguing <laughs> about, with themselves about who, which of them was the greatest. He sat down, called the 12 disciples over to him and said, whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. Then he put a little child among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me, and anyone who welcomes me welcomes not only me, but also my Father who sent me. I love this portion of Scripture. And in part, it makes me so happy to realize that I have a bunch of people who have volunteered to serve alongside me and my wife in the children's ministry. They are great people. They're doing great things. And not only that, they've been declared that they are great in God's kingdom by who? By Jesus himself. So I'm so excited. Right now, I have a bunch of people over in the children's ministry and they are teaching our kids. And I say our, because they're ours. They are praying with our kids. They are leading them in small groups and leading them in worship. They are great, which kind of lends itself to the title of this message today, which is this. Follow me into the kingdom greatness and come serve with me and my wife in children's ministry. It's not, no, not really. I just kind of put that in there. Thought it'd be cool, like one of those things. But really, it's follow me into kingdom greatness, which might lead you to serve in children's ministry. You might get inspired to do it after today's message. I'm getting paid to say that. <laughs> However, so let's just break down the scripture and see what the Lord has for today. And I'd like to break it down and we'll go through it and we'll break a little bit more down. So let's start off with verse 30 and 32. Leaving that region, they traveled through Galilee. Jesus didn't want anyone to know he was there. For he wanted to spend more time with the disciples to teach them. He said to them, son, the son of man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his, of his enemies. He will be killed, but three days later he will rise from the dead. They didn't understand what he was saying, however... And they were afraid to ask him what he meant. The first thing we see right here is Jesus is wanting to lose the crowds. He's wanting to spend some time with his disciples. You see, Jesus' face, it was set towards Jerusalem. And nothing was going to stop him getting there. Nothing was going to get in his way. He was determined to get there. It doesn't want to be detained, derailed, or distracted. His face was set towards the cross. Time is short. And Jesus knew. He knew exactly what he was going to face when he got to Jerusalem. He knew the pain, the anguish, the brutality. He knew it. It was all there. And all Jesus wanted to do was get there, to get it done. But before, he just wanted to spend his last intimate moments with his disciples. Spend time with them. Ministering to them. He says, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed and killed in Jerusalem. This is it. Everything that I have taught you, everything that has led up to this point is happening really soon. 
let's go find a quiet place and let's spend some intimate time together. Let's spend some time together. I just want to hang out with you guys. I love you guys. Before I go, I just want to teach you a few more things. And guess what happens? Verse 33 and 34. After they arrived at Capernaum and settled in a house, Jesus asked his disciples, what were you discussing out on the road? But they didn't answer because they had been arguing about which of them was the greatest. Jesus is on the road to Jerusalem. He's going to give up his life in an agonizing death for them. And what do we find? They're arguing who is the greatest amongst them. Man, did they miss it. They missed the point altogether. If I was Jesus right now, I would have really, they would have got it right here. Right here they would have got it. I said, are you kidding me? I'm on my way to die for you. I'm going to Jerusalem, to the cross, and all you are is just arguing. Who of you is the greatest? I bet you're glad I'm not Jesus. If I was Jesus right now, I would be rubbish at Jesus. That's trash. I'd be a trash Jesus. <laughs> rubbish. I, I, I got carried away. I thought I was back in England for a moment there. Are you kidding me? I'm going to go die for you guys. And all you can do is argue who is the best. But Jesus, he doesn't rebuke them. Jesus, he doesn't embarrass them. He does what only Jesus could do. He loves on them and he turns it into a learning opportunity. I love Jesus. He's awesome. You can go to Jesus with anything. And he's not going to turn around and hurt you. He's not going to embarrass you. He turns it into one of those pivotal moments for his disciples, as we will see in a few moments. But before we move on, I have to confess something to you guys. And you're all here, so I will do it. And all you guys are out there, and I'll do it to you. I do not think that I'm quite right in the head. And the reason I say that is sometimes, well, a lot of times I talk to myself and it's worse. I have full on conversations with myself. I know I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I, I know I am. But if you know me, you've probably heard me. I'll be walking around. I'll be singing a song. I'm in the tune. I'll be walking through the, through the offices and someone will come out. Oh, you've, you're always singing a tune. You've always got a song. You're always umming something. The reason is, is if I wasn't umming or singing, I would literally be having a conversation <laughs> with myself. Now, I don't know if I am the only one. I'm just putting it out there, right? Because maybe. And I fully understand I could be the only one that does that. I could be. And you're probably thinking right now, yep, you're right. I don't do that. Never thought about doing that. Never done that. Kenny, it's all you, mate. And that's it. But I have had so much conversation in my mind, especially once I knew that I was going to be teaching this passage, about what was going on in the disciples' mind. What were they thinking? What? How did that conversation go? So, because I'm teaching today, I am going to take you on a journey into my mind as I have a conversation with myself, okay? And it's like this. Here we are, ladies and gentlemen. The contestants are streaming into the ring. Today, we have the 12 disciples of Jesus, and they are battling it out for the title of who is the greatest among them? Each of them are facing their own, each other. And in their mind, they believe that they are the greatest because, because this and because that and the vain things that they could come up with to make them believe that they are better than the rest of them. Simon the Zealot throws the first punch. I am the greatest because I am a warrior. Yeah, look at these. Look who came to work with me today. Jesus did a good deal. He did a good thing choosing me. Then Thomas, 
must deserve a reply. And he says, I doubt it. <laughs> because I'm the best. I am cautious. I choose my words carefully. I judge everything. I don't make assumptions. Then Judas of Scarlet stands up and he says, you know what? I'm the greatest because I have been given the responsibility to look after the money bag. Boom, Judas could be taking it away today. He could be walking away with the title. But Simon, James and John, take it offensive. We are the greatest because Jesus took us to the mountain and we witnessed the transfiguration. Boom, all the rest are out. Peter makes his defense. I'm the greatest because I walked on water. Wow, who can deny such greatness? Well, obviously James can. He goes, yes, Peter, you did walk on water, but you sunk and nearly drowned. <laughs> then John, his brother, stands up and adds insult to insult. And guess what, Peter? Jesus called us the son of thunder. He called you a rock, like you're sinking, like a rock. <laughs> Sorry, I know I get carried away sometimes. I bet you're glad I sing my, and um now, right? Because if you want to wear those conversations as I walk past you. But you can imagine how it might have transpired as in their own vain self, centered mind, their own prideful understanding of what it was that they felt that it were great in God's kingdom. I do it for the Lord. I spend this much time doing it for the Lord. I do this. I do that. I'm great because I'm popular. I'm great because I do stuff. You know, all the things they would come up with. I'm great. I, me, I do, I am. And we will fill in the blanks ourselves. All right? And at this time, Jesus' heart must have just sunk. What are they doing? What are they thinking? How could they have even thought that the kingdom of God was all about this? Let's move on to verse 35 and it says this. He sat down and called the 12 disciples over to him and said, whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. Back in that culture, it's kind of weird because it's backwards right now. Back in that culture, the teachers would sit down and the students would stand up and stand around the teacher. Now, when the teacher sat down, it was this. Something profound was going to come out of his mouth. Some great teaching was going to come out. So as Jesus sat down, the disciples stood around thinking, man, Jesus is going to say something profound. And he did. Whoever wants to be first must take last place and be a servant of all. Wait, what? Did, did, did I hear that wrong? Did Jesus literally say that if I want to be great, that I have to take last place? Do you mean that I have to put other people first? Yes, that's what he said. You see, in God's kingdom, our own greatness our status or our popularity is never to be the prerequisite for serving the Lord. And it's this, humbly serving is the greatest prerequisite for kingdom greatness as shown by Jesus in his own ministry. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many, Matthew 28, uh, 20, 28. This statement that Jesus made right here is among the most pivotal statements that he ever made in my mind. And I think also, as we look at the Bible, this is so pivotal. Whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. This Statement alone turned the first century definition of greatness on its head. Up to this point, the disciples were only doing what everybody else was doing around them. 
They're aspiring to better their lives, to move up the social ladder, to climb the status, to be better, to be as high as they could possibly be. That, that is everything that they've been taught up to this moment in time. Everything around them, everything that they looked at, everything that they saw pointed to this system to better yourself, to do more, to climb up that ladder. The Romans, the Greek culture, the scribes, the Pharisees, the economic commerce, everything pointed to this. Everyone used this system. Move up the ladder. Be better. Better yourselves. Now, what is interesting here is this. Jesus does not say it is wrong to aspire to be great. But what he does do is transform the disciples thinking about true greatness. When Jesus said, if you want to be first in the kingdom of God, you must go out of your way to be last. last. What does that even look like? What does... I don't understand what it looks like, the disciples are saying. But, you know, I'm thinking, what does it look like? Do you remember Salty, the big blue singing songbook? I do. Remember all that song? If you want to be great in God's kingdom, then be the servant. No, actually, learn to be the servant of all. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be the servant of all. I never really got that song. I just, honestly, I thought it was just a catchy tune that you would prance around the Sunday school building with. You kind of like entertain the kids because the, the pastor's going over time again. <laughs> boom, boom. <laughs> and the reason it never really stuck in is because every time I heard that song, I only heard it in kids' ministry, right? I never heard it in adult church. I never heard it at all. I know I'm singing it. Actually, I thought it was some cryptic message that we would give to the children to play nice with each other. I literally thought that was what it's all about. But no, it's not. This is a lesson for all of us. For all of us. All of us who are called to serve the Lord, and this means you guys, and if you're watching today, it means you guys as well. It means if you want to be great in God's kingdom, you have to be last to put the needs of other people first. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, you need to be last of all and the servant of all. Jesus is saying greatness is achieved through humility, through thinking of others first and ourselves last, not to think of ourselves of being more important than anybody else. Not to look at trivial tasks and think, whoa, I'm so above that. I don't want to do that. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, then Jesus is telling you that you need to get your hands dirty for the kingdom. Verse 36 and 37 says this, Then he put a little child among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes not only me, but also the Father who sent me. Now the Greek word that is used here is dekoma, which means whoever receives on my behalf, whoever takes by the hand on my behalf. But my favorite is this, to take hold of on my behalf. So let's read it again with my favorite version of dekoma. Anyone who takes hold of a little child like this, in, on my behalf, takes hold of me. And anyone who takes hold of me, takes hold of not only me, but also the Father who sent me. Wow. And for me, I could finish right there. 
Because that's what I'm talking about. To take hold of Jesus. Oh, just to take hold of, can you, can, just think about that for a second. To take hold of Jesus. You know when Jesus he picked a child up and he took hold of the child and he embraced it, a little child. If you do this to one of these, you do this to me. You take hold of me. I really want that for my life. I really want that for my life. In fact, I really want it for your lives too. I do. Do you want it for your own lives? Do you want it for your own lives? I can help you out. I have some openings in children's ministry. <laughs> it's funny. Because uh, Pastor Mike the other day was telling me, oh, this is going to be awesome having you speak, Kenny. Maybe it'll be the, the start of you teaching more and more. And I said, I doubt it because I'm going for it. <laughs> I'm going to go for it. I don't have nothing to lose, Pastor Mike. <laughs> but let's ask that question. What is Jesus saying to you? What is he demonstrating right now? What is Jesus saying to us? What we need to understand is this. In the first century, even the Jewish culture, it was universally understood that there was a social organization of a concentric circles which centered around the highest value people in society. At the center of it was the freeborn male, adult male, and other persons were valued depending of how similar they were to a freeborn adult male. At the outer circles were women, children, foreigners, slaves, the deaf, mute, lame, undesirable, such as gamblers and the lame. One commentary, one commentary even mentioned pigeon races. Pigeon races. What? Do you know what a pigeon racer is? It's a big English thing. It's kind of like, you know, you get pigeons, you take them far away, and whoever gets, whoever's bird flies home, the fastest wins the trophy, right? Pigeon race. I mean, pigeon racers, come on. Come on. What, what ghastly thing did pigeon racers do to warrant such a demotion? in the status of the social ladder of humanity that they were even mentioned with children, women, and gamblers. If you are into pigeon racers, back in the first century, you were nothing. You were scum. You were... Man, pigeon racers have come a long way. I'm joking, but at this point, right here, Jesus could have highlighted any disadvantaged persons or groups. He could have highlighted women, the lame, the mentally ill, the deaf, the mute, the slave, or pigeon racers. But he chose to choose children. Jesus highlights children. Why? Why did Jesus bring a child to the conversation? Why? What was Jesus trying to illustrate by embracing a child? The expectation of a child in the first century. It's kind of sad. It's disgusting, in fact. Children did not have much value back in the first century. The mortality rate was so high among children that most people thought it was a waste of time to bond with a child. Children were unrecognized. They weren't even adding value to society until they were adult. They were to be seen. They were not to be heard. They were mere possessions, property. Women who formed relationships with children were seen as weak. In fact, it was seen as vulgarity. A child 
was seen as a non-person. In fact, the father had the ultimate right of a child over a child. He could at any time, for any reason, kill his child up to the age of adulthood and nothing would be done. So when Jesus chose a child, he was saying, the lowest of the low. There's no one lower. This is the lowest of the low. You see, when ser serving a child, there is no political payback. A child's not going to vote for you. The word dependent is a real thing. Children take for granted that we as adults will take care of them. They are dependent on adults. They're dependent to give them life, to teach them and lead them and to make sure that they are treated with respect and dignity. Children do not make elaborate speeches of how great you are. They don't. Children don't make big deal about how much you pour your life out to them. They just take it for granted. They're dependent on us. That is why Jesus chose to use a child as an, as an illustration because children at that time were non-persons. They were insignificant. They were so low on the concentric circle that they skimmed the outside. When Jesus did this and said these words, it would have definitely made his disciples sit up and listen. Whoa, this is different. This is contrary to the system that we brought up in. Anyone who takes hold of a child like this on my behalf takes hold of me. And anyone who takes hold of me takes hold of not only me, but also the Father who sent me. The point that Jesus was making here is that we should not view ourselves more highly than we ought to. He's saying that we are servants. Kingdom greatness is following Jesus' example to be a servant of all, right? That's what he says. That is true of Christians, all Christians, no matter where you are, the pastor, the lay pastor, the husher, the chair mover, the coffee bar worker, praise the Lord for coffee bar workers. Children's ministry, facilities, if you don't work at church or you don't volunteer at church, in your job, it's you, it's all of us, wherever you are. Kingdom greatness comes through serving others. It will never come through asserting our rights, pushing ourselves to the front. Kingdom greatness comes through seeking the welfare of others before we seek our own. That is what will make us great in God's kingdom. That is what Jesus is saying. Jesus told us if you want to be first, then you need to go out of your way to be last. Now, here we are. Uh, today, I am going to do some English butchery for you. I am going to butcher the English language, and I'm going to make up my own word. Wait a minute, Mr. Kenny, you can't do that. You might be right, but I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> today, I'm creating a word, lastest, okay? If you want to be first in God's kingdom, Go out of your way to be lastest. It means to be very last of the very last. But not only that, but to go out of your way to make sure you're the last of the last. That's what lastest means. Do you like it? I don't really care if you do or don't because it works for me. It works for me. It means this, when I am serving the Lord, it means that when I'm serving the Lord, there's going to be no one behind me. No one in line behind me. I am the last of the last. That is why Jesus encourages to receive a child, one of the lowest members of society. 
And how do we receive a child, guys? How do we receive it? If you were in kids' ministry right now, you would know. Because I have trained the kids. If I ask a question, it doesn't matter what I say in that question. They're always going to say, Jesus. Jesus is always the answer. So I could say, what's grey? Got a fluffy tail and likes to eat nuts. Exactly. You guys have been there. I might get one smart kid, but it sounds like a squirrel. But we know the answer is Jesus. Is anyone picking up on that subtle way that I'm inviting you to join kids' ministry this morning? <laughs> Jesus was setting the standard that Christians are not to seek fame and greatness in the same way as the world seeks fame and greatness. Christians are not to seek only to be on front street. When serving others, Christians are not to seek the positions that make them look good or feel good. We are not to serve to be seen by others, just as we're not to serve for our own gratification. Oh, look at me. Look at what I'm doing. Oh, I'm so important. I'm so great. Jesus is so lucky to have picked me. He did a good job, did that Jesus, picking me? No, no. We have to put aside our rights and remember that being great in God's kingdom is being a servant of all. Jesus said it, not me, servant of all. We are called to serve all people, especially those who qualify as the different, not so popular the marginalised, the socially disadvantaged, the not so important, the less, the new in faith, the rough around the edges. Listen, I was rough around the edges. Someone came. And they mustered enough courage to come and talk to me, to come alongside and to serve me. You might be thinking I'm still rough around the edges. Let me tell you, compared to back then, I'm an angel now. I know you might have been rough around the edges. And looking at you, you're all angels today too. And I know that you know who I'm talking about, those people. You know what it is? Those. Those people. Those others. Them. And yes, the children in the children's ministry, your children, our children. And as I start closing out here today, something we need to realize right here, right now, is this. We will never transform or achieve kingdom greatness by focusing on what we can get out of serving the Lord. I'll read that again. We will never transform culture or achieve kingdom greatness by focusing on what we can get out of serving the Lord. Instead, we need to focus on how we can transform culture and achieve kingdom greatness by being a servant of all. A servant of all. What we can do, what we can do for all. Okay? Two things that are crucial in following Jesus in the kingdom greatness and becoming a servant of all. The first thing is this. Being a servant of all can only be done in the name of Jesus. No other name but the name of Jesus. Ministering to anyone in any other way other than in the name of Jesus does not fulfill the will of Christ. The second thing, crucial, to serving, to being a servant of all. It comes from a, long, it comes from a longing of taking hold. Let me start again. It comes from a longing of taking hold of and desiring more of Jesus and taking hold and desiring more of the one who sent him, God the Father. Like I said, taking hold, that's what I want. For me, it's what I want for you guys. 
as a church, as a body of Christ, we have been given a great and awesome opportunity to do great things in God's kingdom. As a church, we have been called to receive and to serve those that nobody else wants. Okay? But in that, I just want to affirm you all of what a great and awesome job you guys are doing. I went to a conference this summer in a... A guy called Pastor Jenkins, he's got a church out on the East Coast. Uh, and, and he was saying, and, and I guess the church who put on the conference trying to do some soul, soul searching. And they said, now what, what can we do? What can we do to reach out to people? What can we do to, to, to embrace our community? And he says this. He says, start programs for the people. And he was basically saying, all people. Make sure that you're in the community. Make sure that people know you are. Start food programs and clinics. I'm going, yeah, this is what we're doing. This is what you guys are doing. You're doing an awesome job. Celebrate recovery, the food pantry, the clinic, feeding God's children, soaking prayer, and for in Garden City for Garden City, the benevolent giving. And of course, the children's ministry and so much more, so much more. And it might be that you're not doing much right now because you're physically unable to do it. But listen, your giving enables us to go out and do more to make, take the kingdom of God out to other people. So we're all, we're all doing something. Please, church, do not stop serving. Do not stop giving. But listen, this is important. There is always room for growth. There's always room for more. There's always room for more kingdom greatness. There is more opportunities. There's always more opportunities to say to the Lord, Here I am. Send me. Oh, I love that. Send me. There are always more opportunities to put others first and go out of our way to be last. Let's continually put aside our rights. And that's what he's going to boil down to. We will make awesome strides into the kingdom of God when we put aside our rights and we start thinking and putting other people first. It's about what we can do for all, not what you can do for me what I can do for myself. And I find that's what we've done in society, not you guys, because you guys are awesome, but society, is, it's, it's imploding. It's all about lock your door, close your windows, pull down your blinds, hide behind the curtains. It's, it's, no. As Christians, we have to put others first. And as I says, we have to be the lastest, which means to go out of our way to be the last of the last. When we're serving God, there should be no one in line behind us. I've said repeatedly throughout this morning, one way or another, that means we serve the powerless, the humiliated, the rejected, the hurting, the broken, the sick, the vulnerable, and yes, again, the children. So we serve. And guess what, church? All of the above, they're out there waiting for us to show up with kingdom greatness. They're waiting for us. Let's not make them wait much longer. Let's say, here I am, send me. So if the band comes up, I'll pray. Father God, thank you so much for your love and thank you for your mercy. Lord, thank you that ah, you desire to embrace us, for us to take hold of you. Lord, help us, help us, Lord, to lift up our hands with bringing no baggage and just say, yes, Lord, here I am. Send me. Lord, give us that desire to be great in your kingdom. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much. We love you. We praise you, Jesus. Motivate us today, Lord, through your Holy Spirit. In your precious name, amen. So listen, the band's going to sing a song. And uh, I, don't, I don't think it's necessarily appropriate for us just to rush out right now and just go. I'm going to go do that, you know? That's not what I was talking about. Let's use this time to prepare our hearts. To spend time thinking about what saying yes, send me, means. And, and all I want you to do today is respond this way. As the band sings this song. If you want to say yes, send me, then respond to the Holy Spirit. And just stand up and worship the Lord. And then when you pray about it this next week and you want to get involved in something, in kingdom, kingdom greatness, then find the appropriate person and just talk to them. But don't just let it fall on deaf ears. Do something about it. There's people waiting for us outside to show up with kingdom greatness. Let's not let them wait too long. Okay? So why don't we stand together as we sing this song? And I'm just trusting that the Holy Spirit, as we sing this song, is going to speak to each one of us today what that looks like for us. What does it look like to be the lastest today? What does it look like? If it's bandaging the broken or washing filthy feet, here I am, Lord, send me. If it's loving one another, even when we don't agree, here I am, Lord, send me. If I'm poor, if I'm wealthy, I'll serve you just the same. Here I am, Lord, sing.
into this moment a little bit. So if you don't need to leave, um, you can just stay. And we're, and we're just gonna let the Lord uh, minister today. If you, you know, if you need prayer for any reason, I just invite you to come, come up and, and uh, someone will come around you and just pray if you need anything today. Or if maybe the Lord is stirring in your heart specifically um, to just come and, and consecrate yourself to be sent by him, we're just gonna make some room and just continue to sing a little bit. But if if you're going, have a great day. Go make the invisible God visible. We'll see you next week. Thanks for watching. To respond or receive prayer after the live stream closes, please email prayer at vineyardboise.org. And if possible, include your phone number. We'd love to get in touch with you. Thanks.